Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer extraordinaire, Brandon Newman. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. How about you? I'm doing well. I got no complaints, man. Uh, it's I, I found myself very grateful walking into this podcast. Wow. Okay. That's that's good. I've, I've definitely been on that wave as well. Something about being away always makes the, the heart grow fond or whatever it is. But I've, I take a step back, think about where we're at, what we've done, the fact that I actually am just talking to my best friend for a long time about sports. And then there's like job and money and stuff that comes along with it. It's pretty nice. It is pretty nice. And like finding people that get what we're doing. We're always very thankful yes. for that. For everyone that's downloaded, subscribed, rated, and reviewed Gojo, left us a five-star rating. Check this out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. We do have a great show for you guys coming up today. Tom Haverstrow from Basketball Illuminati, part of the Meadowlark Network, going to join us and talk about the NBA, Nikola Jokic MVP case, and why it's such a lightning rod of conversation for so many people. An interesting move he believes is in the Lakers' future, and what to expect from Kevin Durant, who last night made his debut for the Phoenix Suns. So we've got all that, Brandon, but the reason I was filled with gratitude was because one, people responded to what we were asked about yesterday, which was the most random college and musical act combinations that you could think yes. of. We were talking about some of the different musical acts that had come and played at Notre Dame, Big Sean early on, Wiz Khalifa, all these different things. And so we had a couple of people that responded when we asked for the most random pairings possible. So I did want to give those love. John Harris on Twitter tweeted at us and said... Um, I think I, I think I end the game with Asher Roth, OAR, and Pitbull at Vanderbilt. Just an incomprehensible combo. Was not ready for the I mean, Pitbull hook there. I was, I was about to say, Mr. Worldwide at the SEC Harvard is good. Not on my bingo card. That being said, I do feel like. Pit, Pitbull's the universal solvent of music acts. Like, Mr. Worldwide is such a I melting just, pot of sounds that I think you can pluck him in into any lineup and it would somehow work. Like, I remember I was at Jazz Fest in New Orleans the first time I went down there for the Saints offseason, and Pitbull was on a stage right next to the stage where Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett were doing their set together. Mm. And somehow it still worked. Like you had Trombone Shorty not too far from there, and Pitbull <laughs> did not seem out of place. 
now he doesn't seem out of place. Now that he became Mr. Worldwide and shaved the uh, cornrows he had, Mike, because he went through a Taylor Swift-like music shift in his career. I was a big fan of Pitbull when he was spitting fire. Like his, he had some of the best rap albums to date for me. Like I remember learning Spanish with those albums, and then he became a, a, a pop star. I think he saw Flo Rida, and he was like, "I can probably do that better." I'm so glad you brought that up. I feel like the early Pitbull hip hop tracks do not get enough love in the canon. No, no, not at all. I, I was, I, I didn't have enough time to look up the track list in that specific album name, but the one I'm thinking of, just, just without that, without that version of Pitbull, like Pitbull that was actually like in the streets, like a Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide would never even be here. I have to find the name of that song now. You're looking for Chulo? Oh, it's Pitbull. It's Bojangles featuring Little John. Do you remember that song? The following is not, not a test, DJ. Bring it, bring it back. Bring it, bring it, bring it back. You don't remember that shit? Oh, my God. Not, not by name, but I'm very upset because you know how how close Bojangles is to my heart. It's like... Call that girl Bojangles. Bojangles. Wiggle, wiggle. Call that girl Bojangles. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, yes. Now I get the hook. Yeah. I could say yeah, Pitbull. Pitbull what? Was in fact spitting yesterday. Um, yesterday, <laughs> in what feels like yesterday. Hey, in theory, um, yeah, exactly. Ted Koval said, "Strange shows at colleges. I got George Clinton and the P Funk All Stars at Binghamton University in 1996. Shout Ooh. out to the Bing. I have no idea who George Clinton and the P Funk All Stars. Oh, you, oh are. Y- yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, he was um, at the end of Good Burger. Do you remember the Good Burger movie? Uh, not nearly as well as you do." <laughs> <laughs> but in the land of funk, in the land of funk, in the land of no, <laughs> not ringing a bell. Um, Turkey Leg seventy seven weirdest combo uh, concert university matchup. Not sure the exact date, but Willie Nelson at Baylor University. Willie had to have some time playing there since he attended for two years. So I guess that's why it makes it interesting that and because uh, you know. I don't know. It's Baylor. And then this one from J Valentine 1287, Brandis University and Nas. If you know, you know. <laughs> Wild Charlotte Wilder probably does because Colby and Brandis are pretty similar. I have never heard of that place in my life. That sounds like a made up movie college. Yes, I know, but I, I feel so guilty when I don't recognize a college name because ours is so recognizable that I'd like I, I don't want to diminish those four years. You know what I mean? People probably had a great time at Brandis. Listen, I'm sure they're fine, no doubt. I, I'm not knocking Brandis at all. I'm just saying prove it exists because right now I don't believe it. The other reason Ooh, I was heartened the other reason I was heartened, Brandon, was mm-hmm. because people also have started to I always say what you are or who you are is like a quote unquote brand is just what people send back to you most often. And the fact that we had on multiple social medias, people reach out to us, including Bobby Anderson on Twitter, that Kentucky fried chicken was bringing back one of its most famous menu items in that double or that. What's the name of it again? I, the article just decided to put a, the Double Down, that's right. An article decided to put I a believe. pop-up over it right as I pulled it up. But yes, the KFC Double Down Chicken Sandwich is back for the first time in nearly a decade. It was the sandwich that featured two pieces of crispy chicken, 
two pieces of bacon and either mayo or spicy sauce with no bread. It was a chicken sandwich made out of chicken. Don't leave out the cheese in the middle because you have to you have to include the cheese in the middle, Mike. Uh, I thought I didn't have a double down, but now that I'm seeing it, I'm remembering the time where I, I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to try it. And it's 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 pretty much what you what you would imagine. It tastes like. It looks like seeing the picture and I understand fast food imaging and what you get in reality are often very different, but I don't know. I trust KFC to make a sandwich made out of chicken. (laughs) It it comes in a little like paper sleeve. Like, you know, burgers come in those sleeves. Like, I don't really need this, but you do need it for this one. Um, And the the chicken isn't as like tender as like a Popeye's because that's too juicy. The bread, it. The chicken almost doubles as a bread. I mean, it does, obviously, but like it's that dry as well. Well, and it kind of needs to be. If you had two right. juicy pieces of chicken, it would be really unwieldy and even harder to fit in your mouth because there's two there. So it almost has to be that way. Can't do it. I can't believe it's been ten years, Mike. It's like like listening to this, that, and the third. It's like, oh, that song was that old. Like I can't believe it's been ten years since the double down. It is the hip hop pit bull of sandwiches. Yes. yes, they bring back old people. KFC. <laughs> oh my God. As always, at Gojo Show on Twitter is where you can find us and send us any of the wonderful items like that that make you yes. think of us here. We greatly appreciate it. We are incredibly flattered and we are incredibly grateful for everyone that's decided to listen to this podcast all along the way here. Um, Brandon. Before we get to talking to Tom Haverstrow and some interesting news out of the NFL in terms of a player report card for their organizations, we probably need to address what was the major news of yesterday, surely going to be one of the big sports stories of the week, involving Georgia, former Georgia defensive lineman and current draft prospect Jalen Carter. We got the news yeah. on Wednesday, literally as Jalen Carter was being in the, uh, in the medical exams at the Combine and getting ready to come up to the podium. He was up next to be one of the speakers as a lot of players at the Combine will go and have time in front of the media, get asked questions before they get started with a lot of the events of the weekend. Right in that window was when Jalen Carter was charged with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash back in January that killed a teammate and a recruiting staffer on Georgia. The athens Clark County uh, Police Department issued an arrest warrant obtained Wednesday by the Associated Press that alleged that Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk against the 2021 Ford Expedition that was a school car uh, driven by the recruiting staffer, the 24-year-old Chandler LaCroix, who was unfortunately killed in that January 15th crash along with Devin Willick, who is an offensive lineman for the Bulldogs. Now, Brandon, this story is extremely complicated now and extremely sad as the details that have now emerged. Because for anyone that doesn't remember, that crash was originally reported by police as a single vehicle accident where speed was the mitigating factor involved. Now, with what we've seen here... The police have come out and the details released in, uh, by the investigation Wednesday cited evidence that Jalen Carter and LaCroix were, quote, operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing shortly before the crash. They talked about the evidence that led to that, but police investigators have determined, quote, also 
that alcohol impairment, racing, reckless driving, and speed were significant contributing factors to the crash, and a toxicology report indicated that LaCroix's blood alcohol concentration was .197, more than twice the legal limit in Georgia at the time of the crash, and that that SUV had been traveling about 104 miles per hour before the crash. Uh, We got statements from Kirby Smart, the Georgia head coach, saying the charges announced today are deeply concerning, especially as we're still struggling to cope with the devastating loss of two beloved members of our community. We will continue to cooperate fully with the authorities while supporting these families and assessing what we can learn from this horrible tragedy. There was also then a statement released by Jalen Carter on social media uh, that morning as well that said, this morning I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports have also circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15th. Uh, It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There's no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. And Brandon, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for here. This is a situation where we have way more questions than we do answers at this juncture. We had more questions dumped into our lap because this is still a tragedy. All of this information just makes it even more so if that was humanly possible. Two young people lost their lives at a time where this team was celebrating a joyous occasion that everyone had been a part of. And now the allegations that there could have been more people connected with that and that alcohol was involved in the crash just add to that sadness now with even more time removed from that process I can understand why people would question the timing of this. This information coming up, again, minutes before he was supposed to step to the podium and talk at what is more or less the biggest job interview for these young players at the NFL Combine, and also for the Athens Police Department, why this was initially reported as a single car crash. If now, according to this and the reports from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, there was documents obtained saying they had reason to believe there were multiple cars at the crash site initially. And a lot of this information that's just coming out now, we are right to have questions about that process and why it's fleshed out this way. I just don't have those answers at the time other to say that this is incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. As you said, another sad chapter to an already sad story. The, The fact that they're already dealing with two tragic losses after the highs of winning a, a championship, Mike, we, we obviously at Notre Dame, unfortunately, know what it's like to lose a, a member of our, our of our of our staff. Not that not to make any comparisons, but there's a, a heaviness and a dark cloud that comes with this news anyways. And for it to be exacerbated by Jalen Carter, the potential number one draft pick uh, coming out of this great Georgia Bulldogs team that we just saw finished and and the way they finished, Mike, it just, I hate to bring it to the football now, but it is just incredibly sad. And I'm, and I'm hoping that we do get the answers. Yeah. And I think that's just it. There's so much, I'm sure still raw emotion around this, that for the families that are involved if this hadn't been information that they knew before, if this is new information, you do want to be sensitive to that. But uh, Brandon, and this is uh, 
per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, in a vid- part of this is also going to be who knew what and when. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the big question that people have for the Athens Police Department because according to this is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that in a videotaped interview that night, Jalen Carter gave the officer an inconsistent account of what he knew about the crash. The documents reviewed by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution show. Carter first said that he heard the wreck from an apartment complex nearly a mile away. Later, he said he witnessed it from a shorter distance, telling the officer that he both had been behind and beside the car as it crashed. Carter denied racing and said he had not been driving fast but he told the officer the occupants of the car that crashed were intoxicated the documents say carter said that he had seen the group downtown the officer saw no sign that carter had been drinking however according to the records and so that's going to i think be the crux of it as it concerns with carter who's again charged with two misdemeanors here so racing is a misdemeanor offense in the state of georgia it carries a fine of up to a thousand dollars plus court costs and fees and a sentence of up to 12 months in jail it is the same exact figures for the reckless driving misdemeanor charge in georgia you know brandon to your point it does feel crass to bring up the football portion of this now a lot of people are going to have thoughts about that and about the timing of this and about what this will do to his draft status i am going to reserve a lot of those thoughts until we have more information about what's going to happen from here on out and if at this point we can trust any version of what the truth is around this since that truth has shifted so dramatically here in the last 24 hours yeah, I just I keep thinking about him uh, as well, and uh, the level of guilt aside, the type of person that it can come through on the other side of this type of trial, this type of investigation. I don't know. I- I think of all the players involved there. I mean, there are, and there were reports then of, you know, once the crash had happened, other players showing up understandably because one of their teammates and a staffer you know were were then killed on the scene there and so for all of those players like you said we unfortunately know far too much about loss of teammates loss of people on our staff and that's something that sticks with you forever and it's going to be associated with that memory of this time in their life that was supposed to be this celebration and this joyous time and what they had all accomplished together and it's going to be impossible to disassociate this tragedy from that and so uh, again certainly thoughts and prayers to everybody that is involved in this situation the georgia football family that did lose two people very important to them the families of the deceased but unfortunately this is a situation now where we do have more questions than answers and so we are going to have to wait and and see exactly what happens next as now it sounds like according to his statement jalen carter will head back to athens and they will start to deal with some of the legality of this process here as we are also staring down the upcoming nfl draft and all these other deadlines that'll be a part of that process um we are going to take a quick break take a breather here and on the other side of this we are going to talk to mb analyst Tom Habistro about what's going on in the association. Hey dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, That's a great question. So what, what should I do? 
You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, very excited to talk a little hoops today on the podcast with Tom Haverstrow, Metal Arc Media's very own. You guys can check out the Basketball Illuminati podcast, wherever you get your podcast, the Underdogs pod, which I have been a guest on before. So, Tom, glad we could finally consummate the home and home here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, I can't wait to talk about Jokic and why he's the worst player ever. And uh, apparently now we're having that discussion about why he doesn't deserve to win the MVP. So it's just, it's a great time in the NBA. I, I have been amazed. I was joking with you off air about coming out of the NFL and college football vortex, the you know sports that I mainly cover, and getting caught up in the NBA. And I got back just in time to waltz into first take and watch Kendrick Perkins call jo- uh, Nikola Jokic a stat patter. Uh, <laughs> why does he do this to people, Tom? Like I, I, That's the one thing I'm really trying to figure out is why Nikola Jokic has become such a lightning rod for NBA takes. I think a few reasons. One, he's just this beefy white guy that we didn't grow up with. Um, He's a European second round pick. He wasn't a household name, still isn't a household name. So it doesn't feel right to anoint him the king of basketball, that he's the next great player because we're just not familiar with him. He's, He's not Luka Doncic who came into the league as an 18-year-old phenom, who won the EuroLeague MVP as a teenager, this is different. And so we're getting accustomed to the idea that this guy is one of the best players uh, of this generation. And the way things are going, Mike, this is one of the best players ever. A three-time, potential three-time MVP who's shooting 64% from the floor and a triple-double with the best team in the Western Conference. He's got everything, all the checks, or all the boxes are checked when it comes to Nikola Jokic. And I think because he doesn't have postseason success, Gojo, this is the problem. Not only is he unfamiliar to the audience, we didn't grow up with this guy, he's also not won a championship or been to the NBA Finals. We're holding that against him for a regular season award. I don't know exactly why. See, that was the biggest head scratcher for me. And this is a really like awkward comparison, but I'm looking at the way he's being treated. I think largely because of that last lack of postseason success, like you've talked about, 
versus a player like Damian Lillard, who's been in the news a lot lately. I saw him make comments about how winning a championship is not just as easy as you know jumping off these different teams. I feel like we've arrived at a place in the discourse where Dame Lillard, who was on the NBA Top 75 team, is considered one of the best guards in basketball, is sort of recused from a lot of the slander for a lack of postseason success. We just sort of appreciate Dame for being great at what he does coming off a 71-point night. Is it just because you've got the MVP hardware? Is this LeBron getting punished for going to the finals so many times and not winning but the regular season version? So, Gojo, I know you're not an NBA expert, but if I asked you to name how many all-star players or all-NBA players that Jokic has played with in his career, you would have a tough time naming one, right? Oh, It's because there's zero. There's zero. (laughs) He's never played with another star. And so when we say, hey, man, LeBron James carried that, that Cavs team in 2007 to the NBA Finals against Tim Duncan, yeah, And that's what we're talking about with Jokic. The bar is LeBron, you know, like that is it. Like there's not many precedent. There's not any precedent for a guy who's 27 years old, two MVPs already to his name, not a single co-star in the Denver Nuggets history. You can post, you can point to Jamal Murray, good player, not an all-star. Michael Porter Jr., good player, not an all-star, not an all-NBA. Aaron Gordon was averaging, uh, you know, like, 15 points a game in Orlando on 43% shooting. Now that he's playing with Jokic, 58% from the floor, and he's averaging 17 a game. So he doesn't have the same type of talent that normal stars have. But we're not willing to talk about that because we need to pin it on him. And other people, we give them the credit. Look, Russell Westbrook, KD, they got to the NBA Finals. But you know, those are two superstars, two stars coming up in the league. We don't give Jokic credit enough about the fact that he's doing it with no other co-stars. And I think that's a real problem is that it's such a binary discussion. We're losing the nuance here. And instead of being like, dude, this guy is unbelievable. Have you seen? No defense can stop this guy. You guard him straight up. He's shooting 64% from the floor, can shoot it from three, can shoot it from 15. He barely can dunk, but he's shooting outrageous percentages. So you throw a double at him, and he picks your defense apart. He is a virtuoso. It is amazing to watch this dude play. And I think it really is this infection that we have in the national discourse when it comes to the NBA especially. And I know Charles and Shaq are great, but a lot of their oxygen that they use is spent on talking down about players, criticizing players. And I think it's infected a lot of the discourse in the NBA. And I don't know if it's the same in other sports, but certainly in the NBA, when you have Jokic being amazing, we have to pick him apart. Yeah, I, no, I think that is a factor. And I've talked about that a lot relative to college football. But even, I mean, recently as NBA All-Star Weekend, I think the reason the public was so ready to pounce on that was because you heard from everyone right after the game, coaches, players alike, saying that was the worst basketball game we've ever seen and talking yeah. about how bad it was being in Utah. When you're inside the sport and you're critical of it publicly, you invite the outside world say, here's this opinion that you can go ahead and pass off as your own. So I, I do think that's an, a, an issue. Is it something that is remedied in any part by a solid postseason run this year? Is there anything short of more people just paying attention to Denver Nuggets basketball that Nikola Jokic can do at this point to kind of exercise some of those demons. Because with the cast you mentioned, winning a title, I guess in this year's West especially, 
probably an easier place to come out of than it usually has been, but with how dominant the top few teams in the East are, it does seem like a tall order. Yeah, it's a it's a catch twenty two here with Nikola Jokic because if he did if he wasn't the number one seed, we would discredit him from the MVP. He wouldn't be qualified for the MVP, right? But now that he's the number one seed, if he doesn't win a championship, well, you're the number one seed. You should have won a championship. That's the bar now. Those are the rules. And so no matter what he does, anything short of a title is going to be used against him. So I think um, I think what you touched on it, the All-Star, uh, they didn't care. The players didn't really seem to care. Um, the, the game was awful. Uh, I think the NBA has a real bad PR issue right now is just everything seems to be negative, right? We had an amazing weekend of basketball. This, the first weekend we had 71 from Damian Lillard. We had 176, 175 double overtime game between the Kings and the Clippers. It was ridiculous. Um, some buzzer beaters. It was awesome. But now we've sunken into this place where we have to pick apart the best basketball players because that's, it's a blood sport. Um, it just, it does seem like, uh, more than any other sport, the NBA is a, uh, it's big game hunting. We just seem to be, we want to put targets on these guys, like in terms of the, the national discourse, instead of raising up, uh, an amazing story of Jokic, we have to take them down for Giannis and, and Embiid and Jason Tatum, rather than just being like, Hey man, Jokic is having an incredible year. And even if it is three MVPs in a row, that ins- that should be awesome. We should be like, whoa, we get to see this guy right now, like on our TV. He's he's playing right now, a dude who's winning three in a row. And now we're saying, ah, he doesn't deserve it because we didn't give it to Giannis. So Jokic can't have that cool thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's comparative politics versus the idea of, hey, some is great and more is better, especially with the incredibly talented bigs you have in the NBA right now. Like watching the evolution from what we had growing up, you know, for me in the late 90s, early 2000s to now in terms of skilled bigs with the guys you mentioned, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic should be a point of celebration, but instead you're right. We turn it into a steel cage match where only one can come out on the other side. And because Joel Embiid, who's the other, I I think, real foil in this conversation, right? When we talk about the MVP race, I think Giannis certainly deservingly in that conversation. Luca, what he's done scoring the basketball this year. But this seems to be Joel Embiid, who has been the bridesmaid but never the bride recently, a guy who plays for a team that's more nationally visible in Philadelphia, has been a big personality, one of the favorites in the NBA for a while now, and certainly to the PR point, has a much better PR push than what you had for Jokic. Yeah, the the trouble with him, as always, is just he doesn't play as many games as Jokic did. Remember, the first time that Jokic won the MVP a couple years ago, he played in every single game that year. And his 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 PER, his win shares, like every advanced metric pointed to Jokic having a better season. But if you just want to talk about games played or minutes, it was not even close. He was just far and away the better candidate because he had the better per game numbers and he played more. So it's all about volume with with Joel Embiid, and he's in, a sensational player. I mean, what he does, um, both ends of the floor, is fantastic. I mean, he's an ability to be a top five defense every single night that he's on the floor, and he's so skilled. He's like, he, you know, we talk about like Shaq. If Shaq was in today's era, like think about Orlando Magic Shaq, not like blown yeah. up, just huge um, Lakers Shaq he'd be a point guard. Like they would be like, Hey, get the ball and use your, your speed, your size. No one's going to stop you. And Embiid in the same way is just like, he can get the, he can stop the, the opposing offense. 
He can get the rebound, and then he can just go down the floor, and he's got enough handle and enough uh, shooting ability that he can play that way. And I think there is a tendency for him to sometimes be like, man, I got to play top five depoy level defense, and I got to like run the offense and stuff and back down down low. I'm going to take a couple threes here because, you know, I, I deserve it. And that's okay. Like we should allow that to happen. You're allowed to, you know, sometimes you want a little bit of candy, right? You're allowed to have it in moderation. Um, he's that guy. He is super skilled, but he's played in seven fewer games than Nikola Jokic and in a tight MVP race. That that's enough. I mean, it's 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 an incredible season for Giannis, but the same thing is just minutes. Jokic is available and he's just out absurdly, absurdly excellent every time he plays. You mentioned that part of the reason a lot of these conversations get to this fevered pitch is because of the LeBron effect in the NBA. He's become this unrealistic measuring stick for so many of the people involved in these conversations about what you're supposed to do, even if he was at for a long time in his career, held up to that against Michael Jordan and round and round we go. But we did get the LeBron injury news going to reassess in two weeks for him in Los Angeles. That's a team totally on the other side of this that's still on the outside of the bubble conversation looking in. This year, is there any hope for the Lakers? I don't think there is, so I I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. I know they did shuffle the bag a little bit. You had Vanderbilt and some others perform very well, but am I wrong in thinking none of this works without LeBron James even getting into the play-in? You're absolutely right, and we're now found, finding out that D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis are going to miss Wednesday's game, and so then you throw in the fact that even without LeBron, they don't have the supporting cast, period, um, to pick up the load and pick up the slack. So unfortunately, I do think the Lakers' chances are done. Uh, without my, without that factor of having Anthony Davis healthy and D'Angelo Russell healthy, they just don't have a prayer. And they didn't have really a good chance, maybe a 7% chance of making the playoffs in general, when you're talking about a team that's 29 and 33, four games below 500 and sitting at 12th in the standings, they would need to be like an 80% win team just to get in the play-in tournament, just to leap a couple teams. And then you got to win a couple, you know, three games to get into the playoffs. So it was, the odds were stacked super far against the, the Lakers. And I just don't see um, enough time. We had the report from ESPN that he's going to be reassessed and then they're going to look at the standings and see is it even worth bringing him back. And it's just sad. That's the state of affairs in Lakerland that like, if they're out of the game, then you're not going to be able to see LeBron the rest of the year. It is this all sort of just what we should expect now with them. I saw, um, I, I'm blanking on the name of the newsletter right now and I'll correct this in post, but, um, it might be Tom Ziegler who did the graph chart of LeBron's availability for his entire career and his worst four years availability wise. I believe four of them have come during his stretch with the Los Angeles Lakers this year being another example of outside of the bubble season where LeBron and the Lakers were the one seed and won the title. You've had him more injured than he's ever been, which isn't shocking for a player of his age, but is this just kind of his lot in life now as an NBA player, as great as he is when he's on the court? Should we be done expecting LeBron James to play these full seasons and be what we've always expected him to be? So I covered LeBron for four seasons in Miami. Um, I never saw him bleed once. For, I, I went to pretty much every game and he didn't bleed at all. Like it was superhuman stuff. Like he would, his his ankle would like bend to like a, a 90 degree angle and he would just stand up 
tighten his shoes and then just tie them real yes. tight and then walk it off. It was absurd. I've never seen anything like it. I'm like every time, I mean, he was like, it was like 2014, 2015, 2016. I remember writing at ESPN being like, he's, he can't keep this up. Like he can't, there's, we've never seen a player never go out of his prime. Like he just, his prime just kept going and going and going. And at some point he was going to hit a wall. And we've reached that point where in the last five seasons, he's played uh, only uh, 54 games a year. And so when you're talking about what is this look like now, LeBron James, it's that he's, he says he had this injury back in January and was playing through it. And he heard a pop in this most recent game. It just seems to me that like whatever was okay then when he was in Miami, it's just father time is starting to catch up. And it's just, it's, uh, it's weird to think about, but, um, it almost, we kept saying it, don't take LeBron James for granted. Don't take LeBron James for granted. And now as it's happening, as he's not being able to play and he's showing his age, uh, I'm glad we were focusing on that because I do think this is the twilight of his career. And he, no, I don't think he can do 35 minutes a night every single night. I think it, we're probably at that point where he's going to have to do the Kawhi Leonard program, rest on those back-to-backs and play maybe closer to 30, 25 minutes a night if you want to have him last throughout the entire season. What's that mean for the Lakers, you know, immediate future and long term? Because it felt like the plan was always to sort of pass the baton to Anthony Davis in a way that hasn't fully happened yet. So what do they do now? Here's the problem. Anthony Davis is one of the most oft injured players in the NBA, star players. And when you're talking about a guy who's 29, but he misses games like he's he's more like 32, 33, you can't pin everything on him and be like, all right, I'm riding that. I'm riding that one into the sunset, into the twilight of my career, because he's, you can't hit your buggy to a wagon where it's like, it's, it's not, it doesn't work. Like that doesn't work for LeBron James anymore. So he's got to look around and be like, if Anthony Davis isn't the right guy, or if D'Angelo Russell isn't the right guy, or um, Russell Westbrook is not the right guy. And we found that out uh, at the trade deadline. He's got to figure out who is that second star. And I will tell you, Um, When we talk about LeBron James, which we do a lot on the Basketball Illuminati podcast, I think he set his eye on Luka Doncic. I think when you see who he drafts in the All-Star, and this is not a joke, when you see who he drafts in the All-Star game in the draft, who KD drafts in the All-Star draft, it pretty much lines up of who he wants to play with. D-Book, like Devin Booker was very high on Kevin Durant's draft board in these All-Star drafts. And we've already heard LeBron James gush about Luka Doncic. I'm curious whether he links up with Luka or tries to link up with Luka in Dallas in a couple years, or if he tries to recruit him to LA to be that guy, to be that next D-Wade AD for him going forward. Because I know he can't do it by himself now, and I'm not so sure Anthony Davis is fit to do it uh, as his co-star going forward. That's fascinating because right now we've got Luca and Kyrie trying to kind of do that meshing in Dallas right now, and the early returns haven't looked great. We also have this looming specter of the new CBA that's coming up, and I know one of the topics of conversation in that was potentially trying to limit some of the player movement. Do you think that has any effect on it for Luca, who is so young and so incredibly talented and a player that I don't feel like we would often see get on the move in the NBA? That would seem like it would be an extraordinary circumstance if they were able to pull that off, right? 
Yeah, but we just saw it with Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis in New Orleans, like people were like, he's he already he went to the playoffs and he had a sensational run in the playoffs. He was um, he was kind of like their son, the unibrow in New Orleans, kind of a weird looking dude who is the number one pick in 2012. And the idea was he was going to be there for the long haul. And then he switches agents. He chooses clutch. He's not going to go and, and force his way to L.A. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, Luca, he, he's got a super max extension coming up and I fully expect the Dallas Mavericks to offer everything they can within the CBA to try to keep him in Dallas. But as we saw with Ben Simmons, as we saw with KD, as we saw with Kyrie Irving, like these players, they have it in their mind. They're going to stay, but the next day they might change like that. And so Luka Doncic, while he is signed long-term, um, in Dallas, I do think that LeBron James would love to play next to that dude and would love to figure out a way to make that happen. And as we've seen before, what LeBron wants, LeBron usually gets. <laughs> oh, my God. I can feel my third eye opening right now. The basketball <laughs> Illuminati proximity is working wonders here. Um, I, Tom, I, before we let you go, I do want to hit on the one pairing that you mentioned on the Kevin Durant side. Spoiler alert for everybody. We're taping this on uh, on Tuesday. You're going to hear it. Or excuse me. We're taping this on Wednesday. You're going to hear it on Thursday. And, Tom, you are going to see Kevin Durant play in person, his debut perform- performance with the Phoenix Suns. So when you look at this marriage, what are you expecting night when of this where people have already elevated them to the Western Conference favorite just merely based on his acquisition? Well, it's interesting because Devin Booker was just out for a while with a groin injury and he came back and it was limited minutes. He wasn't playing every game and they were basically resting him uh, on and off uh, throughout his return. I think you're going to see the similar thing with Kevin Durant. Now that he's had this knee injury and he's had a recurrence of knee injuries over the past few years coming back from the Achilles tear in 2019, I think they're going to be handling him with kid gloves, not KD gloves, kid gloves here in the beginning because they're going to be figuring out A, integrating him into the offense with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and B, making sure that we don't have a recurrence of that injury, the MCL injury and any sort of compensatory injuries because he's trying to ramp up with a new team, new training staff. And I think you're going to see probably 20 minutes here, and that will probably be going for the next few games with Kevin Durant. There's only uh, six weeks, about five weeks left in the regular season. So it is not a lot of time. Same deal, same problem with LeBron James is there's just not a lot of time left in the season for him to ramp up and try to push for the postseason. With Kevin Durant, I don't expect any issues. He's most plug-and-play superstar in the game because he can shoot, he can defend. He's very seamless integrating into any team he goes into. So I expect him to be great right away, just not ramping up quite to the full-time status that you hope to see come playoff time. All right, there we go. Tomorrow's headlines today with Tom Haverstroh. Tom, appreciate all the time today, man. Uh, Hope you enjoy the game, and we'll definitely talk to you again soon as we get closer to the postseason here. Anytime, buddy. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, 
Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation? You can decide right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, before we get to this, that, and the third, one other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, courtesy of the National Football League, did you see yesterday the NFLPA released what they described as a free agency report card for the NFL teams? I heard, but I did not see. So the players union sent a survey to uh, sent a survey to all the players. Roughly 1,300 players responded, and they got asked opinions about their teams only. It was a 60-question survey that covered eight topics. Treatment of player families, food service and nutrition, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, and team travel. And J.C. Treader, the head of the NFLPA, said basically one of the things we want to be able to do is present to players was what are the decisions your team is making when given the option to do something for you? Mm. This is kind of always, Brandon, how the NFL and even college football to a certain extent has worked as far as whether it's recruiting in college football, free agency in the NFL, word of mouth is still one of your biggest assets or detriments if you're an organization. Players talk, so many guys, especially now, come up knowing each other through the camp systems, all these different avenues through recruiting. So a lot of these guys have known each other for a long time. You have friends on other teams, guys that you've played with. And so people talk about what the situation's like there, comparing locker rooms that they've been in. That stuff happens all the time. They've just essentially put it down on paper now. Yeah, honestly, they they brought Yelp to the NFL, and I think we should all be <laughs> really did, and I think we should all be thankful for it, Mike. Uh, I to to know where your team is, and there's letter grades for these. I'm do quick math. Was it eight eight uh, categories. categories? Okay, all very vague and specific enough that. If you're in the market to find a new team, these are the things that you're not considering when you're thinking about how much this this one team can pay me versus another. Well, I mean, I think in some situation, you know, this is interesting. That's an interesting point because I do remember when some of our older teammates were going into the league. At that time, the Jets were one of the first teams that had redone their facility. And mm-hmm. one of our buddies had gone there and said how nice it was and talked about how at some of the other stops that he had been at, that wasn't the case because the NFL's got money to pay you. It's not like college where they can't pay the players. And so for so long, you had to funnel that money into beautiful resources and great buildings and the Clemson slide and all these things that we see all the time. 
from the structures that players will use, the services they'll get there. In the NFL, a lot of teams didn't worry about that for a long time because they're paying you money to be a professional, so you're going to show up there and work. We've seen as new stadiums have gotten built, that's led to new indoor facilities, all these different things that have kind of upgraded some of these. But you're right. The number one determining for free agents always going to be money. Who is going to pay me the most (laughs) and for how long is usually what that stuff's going to come down to. But... If there's anything close, they want this to be a resource for everyone here. Some of the highlights of this, Brandon, the top three teams, first off, in overall order, Minnesota Vikings, Miami Dolphins, and the Las Vegas Raiders checking in at one, two, and three, respectively. Any surprise there for you? Yes, yes. But I would say the newness of the Raiders, I feel like there's an opportunity to kind of get set things right. They, they just had the, uh, the new vice president uh i forgot her name escapes me but she seems to be on an up and up when it comes to decision making so but the the rest of them well i would say this to your point about new facilities miami i believe just got a new facility i remember um i saw liam eikenberg before the game they played out here against the chargers and he was talking about how great their new facility was and minnesota same deal you had the new stadium there and so i'm sure some of the other facilities got so those make sense newness everywhere the bottom three in order okay the los angeles chargers checking in at number 30 the arizona cardinals checking in at number 31 and in a statement that should surprise no one the washington commanders dead ass last in this list um each of these i mean mean, it shouldn't surprise you you've got more impropriety around daniel snyder right now as it sounds like there's some loan that's a little bit nefarious that he tried to take out in addition to all of the other bullshit he's been linked to Yes. Oh, of course. Like the commanders being there, a no brainer. What was the other one? The commanders. Uh, it was the Chargers at thirtieth, the Cardinals at thirty first, and then the Commanders okay. dead last. The Cardinals being there makes sense. The Chargers and their fans should be embarrassed that they are thirtieth, Mike, because they. I don't want to say they play like it because they're a playoff team, but like these are the things. These are the little like non things that we can't see to make us not trust the chargers they are good indications of just in general i mean the cardinals are an organization that is thought of as one of the least willing to spend money the chargers for years Mm. have also had that label from some of their high profile players that we've seen especially with first rounders conversations about offset language for first round picks coming out of the draft all the time so these do track as far as organizations that have been looked at as not willing to spend in certain areas. And when you look at these report cards for the teams, they come with little overviews that are written up for all of them. This is the commander's overview. The commanders are ranked 32nd last in our team guide besides the strength coaches who received great feedback and grades as one of the best groups in the league the rest of the club's operations and facilities were rated by player respondents at the bottom of every single category the locker room doesn't have confidence that the club owner daniel snyder is willing to invest to upgrade facilities as players rank him 31st in this category 
it is a direct shot at ownership. And for Dan Snyder, who's in the middle of the potential looking into the sale of the team, I'm sure players on that team are joining the chorus of everyone else who are begging that this guy's gone. For all the gas bagging Washington has tried to do in public about how the culture around the building is different and things have changed, they ranked nearly last in every category. F in treatment of family, D plus in food service nutrition, C plus in weight room, A plus in strength coach, as mentioned, F minus minus training room, D training staff, F minus locker room, F minus team travel. It stinks there. (laughs) Like literally, literally stinks. And we're sitting here blaming Carson Wentz for, no. (laughs) 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 But we also, we are, we are though looking at Eric Bieniemy sideways. Like, did you not go see the facilities? Like my guy, like, like you can't change, you can't change what you're being fed. Speaking of what you're being fed, this was one of the wildest things that I read about the Cardinals on the bottom. Quality of food was an F minus. They were ranked 32nd. And it said in the bullet points below that, if players would like dinner, it will be boxed up for them. But players reported that the team will charge you via payroll deduction. Mm. This apparently is the only club that does this. Players reported that if you work out at the facility after the season's over, the team charges you for every meal eaten at the facility. Again, apparently the only team in the league that does this. Those are things that like actively disincentivize your players wanting to be around in a way that promotes winning football. Like that's... The old statement we used to hear from uh, one of our coaching staffs, you can't start winning till you stop losing. That's the losing part. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very actively over there. Mike, one thing I can't ignore is the Dallas Cowboys at fifth. Hmm? I, I mean, mean, the grades, Mike. The, gra- the, the Okay, look, this is the, this is the overview. It said 96% of the team believes Jerry Jones is willing to invest to make the facilities better, ranking him 12th overall, with an investment into more staff in the training rooms and better travel accommodations, the Cowboys could climb even higher next year. Let me go through the breakdown. Treatment of families, which I think is so beautiful and great and egregious that the Cincinnati Bengals are at F. I think there's like just certain things Arizona Cardinals are at F2. The treatment of families being bad is just so ridiculous. Okay. Treatment of families. The Cowboys, A+. Food, service, and nutrition, A. Weight room, A+. Strength and conditioning coaches, A+. Training room, B. Training staff, A-. Locker room, A+. Team travel, C-. Doesn't surprise me. And if you talk to anyone that's been around that organization, past and present, and know for anyone that's going to try and surmise this, this isn't coming from Zach Martin. Um, but when you talk about other people that have been around that organization, almost everyone yeah. says to a man, Jerry Jones will take care of you. If you're a mm. Dallas Cowboy, you're going to get all the bells and whistles that go along with it. You're going to be treated well in all those ways. And so that one's not really too surprising to me, but you're right. That one, especially. And when you hear treatment of player families, it's things like, do they have rooms for the families where, uh, wives and mothers can go to nurse? How do they accommodate mm. for families at home games? Things like that, that are sort of the measure of what they're doing for families. Um, which by the way, to that about how egregious some of this is the only area the Jags got a worse grade than 
their rodent problem, which they apparently dealt with for multiple weeks during the season. Oof. Players reported there was a rat infestation in the locker room laundry hampers that got them a D minus. The only place lower was family treatment. They're one of 14 teams that don't offer a family room for players, uh, family room uh, for players' wives. And, excuse me. The Jags are one of 14 teams that don't offer a family room, and players' wives breastfed their babies on the floor of the stadium's public restroom, according to a survey. They're one of 11 teams that don't provide daycare at the stadium. So things like that. Their women's rooms don't even have chairs? I will be. That was a big thing growing up. Oh, God. Have you ever, like... seen or heard some of the tales of women's bathrooms having like couches and really nice amenities like some of those ball out so if yours is falling below the standard i absolute sicko behavior what i do wonder on the other side of this is one will there be a response to this from clubs because this is all Mm. out for the public to see like anyone can see this now they're anonymous surveys so it's not going to be linked to the players but if you're an organization seeing some of these things talked about publicly could and should be embarrassing on a number of these fronts and so i do wonder if we're going to see any change or response that comes from clubs on this yeah but at first you know when it happens uh when people get called out in public they point the finger at the people calling them out it's like who filled out the survey how dare you? It's probably somebody disgruntled. And then it's like, okay, now let's let's look at let's look ourselves in the mirror, the Baltimore Ravens, and get a strength coach that'll get you above an F minus. Like let's 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 start to look look at ourselves a little bit. C plus in the weight room. It's just training room C. Like all the injuries that happen, I don't want to get started on it, but something needs to be addressed. Well, it sounds like it was. Their strength coach was, uh, I believe, let go this offseason. So in some cases, you already have people understanding the changes that need to be made. We'll see if seeing it laid out like this for the public bear with a letter grade will change some of that stuff for any of the teams that were named in this survey. But Brandon, Brandon, it's time for me to ask you an important question, Brandon. Yes, I do. Yes, the answer is... do you yes. know what time it is? Yes, it's time for the Black History Month of the fact of, of, the, of the month of, of, of March. It, that's exactly what it is. It's time for the <laughs> Black History Month fact of the day in March. And on March 2nd, Mike, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain for the Philadelphia Warriors scored 100 points on the New York Knicks. A historic feat that still hasn't been met to this day in the NBA and Wilt the Stilt is still a household name because of it. <sighs> so I feel like Wilt's a household name for a lot of other reasons too. Okay. And speaking of that, my song of the day inspired by oh, someone terrified. who also has a lot of Wilt the Stilt anecdotes or infamous fame. Does this person have a Guys, lot of sex? By the way, I'm just going to say this song is just for me. This is an exercise to see if I can do this. So okay. I, I do a lot of things for you guys. We're talking about being grateful. This is for me. I got to do what I got to do. Uh. 
All my exes live in Texas like I'm George Strait. Or they go to Georgia State where tuition is handled by somewhere in the nigga that live in Atlanta that she only she when feel obligated. Admitted it for turn for thirty day didn't she just no angel. We never waited. I took her for sushi she wanted to so we took it to go so they don't even play it and we never talked too much after I blow up. Just only hello and happy belated and then I texted her and told her I made it. And that's when she texted me and told me she prayed in. That's when I texted her and told her I love her. And right after texting her told her I faded, she asked. Whatever I learned from getting richer, I learned working with the negatives can make for better pictures. I learned Hennessy and enemies is one hell of a mixture. Even though I'm the girl, I'm still getting richer. Damn, is it the fall? Time for me to revisit the past. Is women to call? The album to drop? There's liquor involved? The stories to tell? We've been through it all. The interviews come with confessions. It about my dressing room confusing me with questions like, Do you love this that? Are you the third right now? Have you ever get nervous? Are you single? I heard this, that, and the third. Is it true? You getting money? You think this, that, and the third is with you? And I said, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This, that, and the third. And the third. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This, that, and the third. And the third. That is by far your best integration of this, that, and the third into the lyrics of a song. Stop. You say that too much, especially since the fact that I was just stumbling across that really, really fast rapping part, but the chorus delivers. Oh, I mean, I was out of breath listening to you try and go through that, so I can only imagine how you managed to pull that off, man. I salute the effort. Thank you, sir. Hell yeah. Effing right. If you also salute the effort, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and tell Brandon, hell yeah, effing right uh, in the comments. Probably don't say the F word because I feel like that the podcast review people will take that down. Yeah, we yeah, we want to see them. Yeah, just HF, just H-Y-F-R. Yeah, H-Y-F-R. Thank you exactly. So he gave you the acronym for a reason. Um, <laughs> Brandon, let's get to this. Aaron Rodgers spoke publicly for the first time. I do wonder, by the way, how Pat McAfee feels about this. Because Aaron Rodgers went on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. I think he had gone on that once before, and it was that really awkward bromance where they tried to talk about how great the friends they were by just saying over and over again in different ways, they play pickup basketball together. It's yet another example about how awkward and cumbersome adult male friendship is because outside of a few preordained topics, we don't know how to express the love we feel for each other. Well, Mike, for I believe the first 30 to 40 episodes of this podcast, you told everybody how long we've known each other just to kind of drill it home for everybody. So <laughs> kind of similar. At least I have shit besides pickup basketball to say that we did together. I got other stories. All right. Aaron and Aubrey don't. Oh, and that's man. on them. Um, <laughs> Anyway, in an hour and 41 minute interview on the Aubrey Marcus podcast from Wednesday, Aaron Rodgers recounted the tales of his darkness retreat and also promised that it won't take much longer for him to decide. He said, quote, it's best for anybody who has an interest to make a decision sooner rather than later. I feel really good about the conversations that are going to be had and that have been had with important people in my life, yourself included. But I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what the answer is. All the answers are right inside me. And I touched on many of them and definitely the feelings on both sides during the darkness. I'm thankful for that time. 
there's a finality to the decision and I don't take that lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. I'm answering questions about it because they asked about it. I'm talking because it's important to me. If you don't like it, if you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva, just tune it out. That's fine. But this is my life. It's important to me and I'll make that decision soon enough and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. Mike, what I love so much about this is I believe Aaron Rodgers for the first time in a very, very long time. Before those quotes that you read, he talked about Brett Favre and the the limbo that he left them in saying, yes, I'm going to come back. No, I'm not going to come back. Okay, yes, I actually do want to play. Let's get me traded. Like, I think in his darkness time when he was touching himself inside and out and on both sides, uh, I think he realized that he has to make a decision for the NFL's sake, it's not just him. And also something he said in the interview, Mike, that I thought was beautiful is this entire time he's been fighting against being just a football player because he feels so eclectic and diverse and he can do all kinds of different things. And his brother was on The Bachelor uh, or The Bachelorette. And he just he didn't mention that. I just said that. But His brother's one of the best contestants on The Bachelorette, by the way. It was a great season. You, you like okay okay we'll get to that i i had a great time with it the first time i met jordan rogers i was really awkward and i said i just want to say i thought you were the only normal guy on that season and i was rooting for you the whole time even though i think i had probably not during that season so you know hey did he come in didn't he come in halfway through though in this season he didn't he didn't start he didn't start off with everybody i don't remember i I just remember electric physical chemistry right off the top yeah, that was that was on her end. She loved that last name Rogers. She couldn't wait to meet the family. Uh, but anyways, uh, at the t- right, this took me all the way off track. But I want to say that I think Aaron Rodgers really does feel a responsibility to make a decision because there's just too much. There's too many people waiting on him to do so, and I don't think he wants to drag this thing out. So uh, I believe Aaron Rodgers for the first time in a long time. Yeah, no, I believe that too. And like Brian Gutenkunz, the GM for the Packers, also spoke up and said that Aaron Rodgers is a great player, but until we have those conversations, I think all options are on the table right now. We really need to have those conversations. We want what's best for the Packers, what's best for Aaron. So we'll get that once the conversation happens. I I, I mean, all of this seems like he's either gone or retiring. I don't feel like we're going to see a guy that ends up back in a Packers uniform after this. No, no, I think he's done with that. Uh, He cut his hair. So he's definitely done with that chapter in his life. He's one of those Thank guys, God. one of those guys, girls that you know, that's a you know, big chop is a, is a big chop. But what I wanted to say was he's fighting against being known as a football player, and in his darkness retreat, he thought to himself, "What if I am just a football player? Like, what type of power and leverage and all these type of things come along with this like he given he's given his life to this thing like yeah you are just a football player like Tom Brady kind of tapped into the power of just being a football player I know we'll get to him soon but I I thought that there was it was it was an important revelation for Aaron Rodgers moving forward that he can just be about football 
That also just seems like weird word salad that you say when you've been in the dark for four days. Like, I'd imagine some thoughts start to get incoherent at that point because, like, no one's just any one thing. Like, yes, football takes up a ton of your identity, but you do a ton of other stuff. So to send, to try and boil but it down he, to that, again, is I'd imagine what sounds really good when it's only been you to talk about for a few days. As someone who spends a considerable <laughs> amount of time alone and has their only social interaction through a computer microphone talking to you sometimes shit gets a little jumbled up there and so i understand it oh my gosh okay uh, uh, you're the expert here by the way i do appreciate all the answers are right inside me and i touched many of them and definitely the feelings on both sides during the darkness those sound like slipknot lyrics 100 percent could be worked into a slipknot song <laughs> uh <laughs> or, or ever ever I can't say the person's name ever ever evanescence thank you bring me to love wake me up inside um Brandon Touch both sides. speaking <laughs> oh my god Brandon let's uh talk about Tom Brady like you mentioned and get to that a report came out from popculture.com that Tom Brady reportedly has delayed his Fox Sports job to pursue stand-up comedy, according to, excuse me, radaronline.com. The champ has planning a career in stand-up comedy, but his inner circle is trying to talk him out of it. A source said, quote, Tom is a terrific quarterback, but he needs to toss this idea before it's too late. As our resident stand-up comedian, Brandon, what did you think of when you heard this? Back the fuck up, Tom. Let other people have some shit. How dare him? How dare him? He's going to be like one of those TikTok uh, famous people that book a huge stadium but haven't done stand-up and go out there and bomb in front of everybody. Like, work some small rooms. Like like the rest of us. Start a, get, how about this? Sign up for a stand-up class. Huh? You're in Florida. You're not too oh, far from the Curtis. You just want to see him pay his dues. Yeah. Pay your dues, I Tom. See him. No. I want to see him. I want to see him get good, Mike. Because because as I came from my wedding, or my wedding, excuse me, the wedding I just officiated, and everyone had no bones about it that I was clearly a performer and very comfortable in front of a mic. I don't know if Tom Brady has that same resolve. Yes, he does in a pocket. Yes, he's not afraid. But can you get these jokes off, Tom? And that's why I like what the the story is coming from. It it's actually stemmed from this. Netflix series, the the greatest roast of all time, where he's going to, I guess they're going to take roast from Comedy Central and move it to Netflix, and Tom Brady's going to start it. And I would love to see all you know the Snoop Dogs and the the Jim Rosses of the world just laying to Tom Brady, because then Tom Brady gets to lay some jokes back, and maybe that might be the start of his comedy career. But I hope it's the end of his comedy career as well. I think you're right in that to get the best out of Tom Brady, it would appear historically you've got to piss him off. And so if they're able to piss him off making fun of him, that might draw out enough Tom Brady for him to just go supernova and get into Super Bowl mode. I understand where you're coming from to an extent. 
This is kind of what we talked about with the Jake Paul fight where some people feel some type of way when a person just comes into your arena and automatically assumes they can do the job. It's why a lot of people right. sort of like the idea that, hey, he's going to take a break in between this because he wants to work hard at being an analyst for Fox, or at least that was the story that we heard for a while. I figured that a lot of people might like this because there is a pretty high probability that Tom Brady actually fails at this. And because he's Tom Brady... <laughs> He's not going to fail privately. You're not going to have Tom Brady right. be able to go and hit a couple of small local clubs. If he goes somewhere, we're going to see footage of it. And if he bombs especially, we're going to see footage of it. And then like when we watched him play in the match against Aaron Rodgers and those guys, and he's shanking balls left and right and getting chirped by Charles Barkley, it allowed us to see a more human version of Tom Brady. And I feel like ever since we saw him get drunk at that parade, we've been hunting those little moments. So I feel like this could work out really well for everybody before he goes. And I think actually has a chance to be pretty good as a broadcaster. Okay. The broadcasting thing makes me think that he may be just doing homework for the job, right? Like he needs to get better at improv. I do know people that work in our industry that have taken improv classes to get better at doing television, being able to riff a little more off the cuff. So maybe that is part of it. I I know plenty. I'm sure Joy is not embarrassed to say this, but she's taken improv classes and she's was one of the funniest people in the class because he's just funny and naturally talented like that. Tom Brady, on the other hand, I imagine he'd be in the bottom half of the class, but I think there is something to him needing to know how to get better at something. And I, I I like it because it's almost like he's like, okay, I need to get better at public speaking, thinking about it on the fly, being funny, being entertaining. I know the game very well. How do I Tony Romo this thing without sounding like Tony Romo? And, he, and he, he's taking the studious uh, uh, approach to it. So this may be the TB12 method to getting better for Fox. Have we come all the way around on this from Tom Brady is about to make an ill-advised decision to, huh, I actually kind of appreciate Tom Brady going and trying to get better at his job through the art of stand-up comedy. We have Miyagi'd ourselves into believing this is actually a net positive for the Brady brand here. Uh, That is uh, the Stugats being very strong in both of us. So, Brandon, let's finish on a note that is positive for both of us here. The Big 12 is trying something pretty interesting. They're trying to liven up and make the Big 12 championship experience a little more younger and hip. They announced a number of acts that will be a part of the Big 12 championship weekend, including Grammy-nominated hip-hop legend Fat Joe performing Friday night of championship week, Shaquille O'Neal performing a DJ set on Saturday night, Jordan Sparks performing the national anthem, and the Big 12 conference collaboration with Bathing Ape for the schools involved in the tournament. Brandon, first off, I wasn't aware Bathing Ape was still cool. I feel like we've been talking about Bape for a long time. Hey, actually, they're they're in some legal trouble right now. I think uh, the Air Force Ones and Nike are suing Bape for, like, copyright infringement for like mimicking the shoe almost exactly but i'll say this as long as pharrell williams is alive bape is alive and and bape is going to be pushed in some way shape or form (laughs) 
And since I believe Pharrell Williams may in fact be a vampire, he probably will be alive for the next couple thousand years. So, Brandon, the thing that was most intriguing to me about this, though, was the Big 12 and Levy restaurants introducing hashtag Big 12 Eats, a foodie-focused menu of items that will satisfy the palate of fans for every team, according to the press release. It's going to have 10 school-specific food items. They are... The Baylor Float, which is vanilla ice cream and Dr. Pepper, which goes hard. Cyclone Tenderloin, Jayhawks Mac and Cheese, K-State's Wabash Cannon Dog. I'm probably pronouncing Wabash wrong, but, you know, so so it goes. Stormin' from Norman, Oklahoma Taco, Pistol Pete's OSU Fried Corn, TCU Loaded Tots, the Longhorn Quesadilla, Tex Masked Rider Burger, and West Virginia Mountaineer Roll. Brandon, I saw the visual rendering of these. And I want to, once again, offer our services. I got to be a friend of the Big 12 for a long time. I used to go down every year and be part of the Dr. Pepper halftime show at the Big 12 championship game. I am once again offering our services to the Big 12, saying we will go down and make a public spectacle of trying all during the course of the weekend. We will make that sacrifice for you guys. I, listen, I wanted to take a bite of everything as you listed it, and I got full, but I also can smell it, Mike. I, I, I want to be a part of this. Uh, I want the free bathing ape. Like, I, I want to I get my bathing apes dirty with uh, a cyclone oh, dog or whatever the hell, you know, a mountaineer. That hot dog? dog. The uh, that would be the Mountaineer, uh, the West Virginia Mountaineer roll, and the K State Wabash Cannon Dog. It's a wrap jumbo hot dog topped with wildcat purple relish, and it looks incredible. There's also another hot dog item. Um, the purple relish, pretty good deal. I'm not seeing who else has the hot dog in there. There is another hot dog on the picture that I saw. The Baylor float too. I am a big float guy. I think a super underrated part of dessert canon is the float genre because of what the soda does, giving that ice cream that little bit of like added foam there. crust that I think make it a joy. And then you get kind of an ice creamy Dr. Pepper to go along with all those 23 flavors. So all that checks out. I will be happy to go down there and do this. Brandon, I have a feeling you would be more than happy to accompany me. Oh, absolutely. I just wanted to speak on the, the float slander uh, as we've gotten older the more ingredients you add to the dessert the more delectable or exciting it, it can be and you know those those ones that are the tried and true with just a few ingredients they they get they get uh, left by the wayside a lot of times so i agree with you i don't know about dr pepper because honestly i do think dr pepper is called that because it's actually spicy it's a spicy soda and it should be you know kept from kids but um i, I think uh like a verner's float like yes coca-cola float but like root beer like a good root beer simplicity float, dude, nothing better a beautiful beautiful thing if you enjoyed the simplicity of this podcast make sure you download subscribe rate review gojo leave us a five-star rating and a review and check us out on the DraftKings youtube channel under the gojo of michael jr tab thanks so much we'll talk to you tomorrow boom money in the bank